Hope everyone's doing well. The weather is beautiful, and it's great to see you here. I want to welcome all the campuses, Baymanette, Foley, Mobile, and all the men at the correctional facilities of Holman and Fountain. Can we give everybody just a big hand clap? Come on. I want to go straight into the message. We've been talking about what we call the prodigal son. He's the younger son. And today I want to talk about the older son. I've called this the older brother syndrome. Some of us can relate to the older brother in the story more than the younger, the prodigal. Some of you have never left home. You were raised in church. Let's just say you were saved at eight years old. You've never left home. And then some can relate more to the prodigal. You've left home. You were gone a season. You returned. Or maybe you haven't returned. I want to talk about the older and how he felt. To me, this is a very important message because in this series, in, in, in the very beginning, we talked about how everyone can become a prodigal because of the definition of the word, even believers. I believe the prodigal son is a believer because he's a son. So I want to talk about the older son because sometimes the older is forgotten, taken for granted. But how did he feel? The one who didn't leave, leave home. The one who didn't waste the father's inheritance. The one who didn't receive a celebration party. I want to relate that to how do we feel about prodigals? Or how do we feel about people who have sin issues in their life? They can't break that habit. They can't lay down that drug addiction. They can't get away from this part of their life how do you feel about that so for a moment let's look at it from this perspective let's just say there's two brothers one stays home one leaves home and we're using these believers we're looking at this as an analogy so let me say it this way one leaves the father's house church and goes into the far country and wastes and sins the other believer stays in the father's house the church which one do you relate to in your life now? I believe we need to be aware of the older brother syndrome because many of us are becoming older brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about growing and maturing. See, your maturing uh, takes place when you get in a group and, you, and you're part of a group and sharing. It, when you serve, when you have serve days and you serve, when you give, all of that is bringing maturity and growth to your life. We need to know about the older brother syndrome, and that's what I want to talk about. So I'm going to start in Luke 15. All the texts uh, in this story today are in Luke, but we'll jump around a couple chapters. So Luke 15, 25. So I want you to stay with the story, because I'm going to break down a few things that will be a little different, but I feel like that I'm supposed to talk to the older. Okay? Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came... And drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and has 
he, he has received him safe and sound. Your father's killed the fatted calf. But he, the older son, was angry, would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Now, in the next sentence, you're going to see two nevers. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. So what is the older brother syndrome? It's allowing envy and jealousy and anger or bitterness to come in when the prodigal's gone, or if the prodigal hasn't come home yet, or when the prodigal does come home. In other words, the struggle is keeping our heart right when the father is rejoicing over sinners coming home. That's the battle of the older brother syndrome. So if you think about the father who probably daily was standing in front of his house looking for his younger son, and the older son is probably watching him from around the corner, and he begins to believe the lies of the enemy. That the father's mistreating me. He's, he's neglecting me, the older son, because he's, he, he loves the younger one, and his focus is on the, lo- the, the young one, and, and he's gone off, and he has sinned more. I'm home And so all of this starts to build in his heart. So the question is, do you know why Jesus told these three parables? Because in this story, there are three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. In Luke 15, verse 1, here's why. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he spoke this parable to them. That's where he starts. The whole reason he told the three parables was because the Pharisees were upset that he was receiving sinners. All three of the stories that are connected together, they're told to address the older brother syndrome. These stories are used to address how the Pharisees looked down on other people and thought they were better than others. So in this message, I want to look at three effects of the older brother syndrome. Here's the first one. It affects how we see ourselves. The older brother syndrome affects how we see ourselves. Remember what we just read, how the older brother saw himself, and he made the statement, I never transgressed your commandment at any time. That's a lie. Well, how do you know? Well, he's human. There's no human that can make that statement. Because then you look at the verses in the Bible that said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or the verses that say, there is none righteous, not one. Only the, son, the only son that can say that is Jesus Christ. But this is the way the older son saw himself, so literally he sees himself as perfect. You know anybody that sees themselves as perfect? Not are they perfect, but do you know anybody that sees? Don't point to them if you're sitting by them. <laughs> but you probably know people that they think they're perfect. So let's go with the rest of the story. Luke 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And, now watch what happens when you trust in yourself. And despised others. If you begin to trust in your own good works and righteousness, that's the syndrome. You begin to despise others. So here's the story, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple. Two men went to church to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector, who are also known as sinners. (laughs) The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself. They separate when they go in the temple. I believe they're on the extreme opposite sides of the building. The Pharisee starts to pray with, him, with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. 
Now, you may, you, you may have never said that audibly, but have you ever thought that? Th- thank you, Lord, that I, I'm not like those people or other people. That's a Pharisee. That's a Pharisee. That I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector, he, he throws him under the temple bus. He's on the other side of the room. He's, he's pointing the guy out. And then watch what this guy does, this Pharisee. He's going to tell God everything he's doing. Oh, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And now the story flips over to this tax collector. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He didn't even see the benefit of him looking up to God. And he held his head down, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I, as Jesus tell you this man went down to his house justified this man left the temple saved rather than the other the pharisee for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted the older brother syndrome is trusting in your own self-righteousness self-righteousness means we can obtain righteousness without christ that somehow through our works or through our goodness or our perfection Somehow we can be in right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. And here's what's, so, here's what's so unique about this. No new believer has this battle going on. You can go up to a new believer, someone who's been a believer for a year or so, and you can, you can say, you know, it's just God's grace, and they'll say, oh, don't I know it. But then you give it 10 years maybe, or 15 or 20 and now they're a leader and they've been in church and they've gone through next and they've been through the life classes and they're leading a group and you say to them something about it's all about grace and yeah, but you know, I've, been, I've done this and this and I've taught this and I've been doing this all these years and you just open a door for the enemy that he wants opened because the enemy is so happy that you're proud of your righteousness and he's going to start to come in and start causing you to see yourself differently than the way you should see yourself. Let me illustrate it this way. We've talked about having low self-esteem, high self-esteem, and sometimes people say, well, I battle low self-esteem, or sometimes I just battle with self-esteem. So let's just take, for a moment, let's take the word low and high out, and then take the word esteem out. And let me tell you who you battle with, self. It doesn't matter if it's low or high esteem or just esteem, it's simply self. If the focus is on you rather than Christ, when the, when the focus is on you, this syndrome can be activated and you're going to struggle against it. The focus has to be on Christ. It, it, listen, when you have a good week, you thank God for it. But even when you have a bad week, you thank God for it. Why? Because that's putting all the focus on God. When you hear about someone falling, failing in a sin in an area, do you look down on them? In your mind, do you think, I can't believe that? Or does your heart hurt for them? Or do you have your, this thought in your mind, well, I'd never do that. I cannot believe they fell for that. I cannot believe they got caught in that trap. I can't believe they got caught in that sin life. Or is there a group of people that you look down on? Well, I know the answer to that. Maybe there's a group of people in our society that struggle with a sin, and you look down on them because they struggle with a certain sin. That's the older brother syndrome. That self-righteousness, first of all, affects the way you see yourself because you see yourself better than others. 
Now, here's the second one. It affects the way you see others. It affects the way you see others. So watch what happened. Luke 7, 36. And one of the Pharisees, there's been a group so far, now it comes down to one. One of the Pharisees, we're going to find his name in a minute, asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. This is not Mary. This is not John's sister. This is another story. This was a prostitute. And she stood at his feet behind him. Not in front of Jesus. She's behind him. Weeping. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. Now, the women in that time would, wear, would have a little bottle and they would collect their tears when they would weep and pray in that bottle and they wore it around their neck. So she probably had this bottle around her neck. She took it and she begins to wash his feet with her tears. Wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet, anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee had invited him, saw this, this is the guy, it's his house, he spoke to himself. Now here's what that means. He thought, he had a thought. So he's talking to himself in his mind. And he said, this man, Jesus, if he were a prophet... He would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. So he's thinking, if he were a prophet, look at the next three words. And Jesus answered what he was thinking. I I, I would say that clarifies he's a prophet, right? I mean, you know, you're thinking something, and Jesus said, hey, buddy, the answer is this. Yeah, I say he's a prophet. And he said to him, he's going to call his name now, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, say it. He's going to tell a story. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. One denarii was a day's wages. And the other 50. So he owes 50 days wages and 500 days wages. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, Simon, which of them would love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged Remember the word judged. Okay, I'll tell you what that means in just a minute. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Hospitality was you wash the feet when you step in the door. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. Tradition was there was, even men to men, it was a kiss on the cheek, on each side. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil. It was another custom. With someone in this position, you would have put anointing oil on his head. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Watch verse 47. This is a very important verse. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now, this passage, most people misunderstand. This passage is incredibly important to understand it. But many people think that it teaches that people owe God different amounts and a person who owes God more will actually love God more. That is not what he's teaching at all. You have to remember he's answering Simon's thoughts. This passage does not teach that there are some people who are better than others. It teaches that there are some people who think they are better than others. 
Simon thought he was better than this prostitute. This passage does not teach that some people are worse than others. It teaches that some people think they are better than others. It teaches that some people think that there are people who are worse than they are. So he uses the amounts in the story. He's answering Simon's thought. But if you read the scriptures completely, it says if you have broken one commandment, you've broken them all. You heard in the video, you heard what Paige said. Her sister compared the gossip to her doing drugs. If you've broken one, you've broken them all. In other words, we owe the same. And the cost is the blood of Jesus for all of us. So listen, this is what Simon is saying. I'm going to paraphrase it. This is very important for me to move forward to this. Because remember, I'm talking to the older. I'm talking to those who have been in church all your life. I'm talking about those who've been raised in church. I'm talking to the elders. It's very important that you get this. Here's what he's saying to Simon. Simon, because you think you didn't owe me much, you love me little. But if you understand that you owe me as much as she owes me, then you would love me a lot. Did you get that? That's good. That's good. And it's, it's not at all saying that you need to go out into the world, the far country, and sin and be this prodigal so God will love you more. It's saying that you need to understand the price he paid for you because he loves us the same. This syndrome, not only do you see yourself differently, but in this syndrome, you're going to see others differently. So l- let me say it this way. If you look up to you, you will probably look down to others. If you think you're pretty good and you got it all together and you're a pretty good person, you immediately start looking down to others. This was the problem here with this Pharisee, and this is the problem with the older brother. So let me show you issues that are created by this syndrome because here's what people think, here's what people say. I've heard it all my life. But that verse 47 answers it clearly. We just misunderstand the answer. So the issues created by this syndrome is well, then so-and-so can't love the Lord as much as I can because they've not been forgiven as much as I have. Or so-and-so can, can never love God as much as I do and never be able to unless they leave the church for a little while and go out and sin really big and, and, and end up in the pig pen. And then they can come back and be forgiven a lot and then they can really love a lot. This does not teach that there are some people who owe more than others. This is what we think that it teaches, but it doesn't. This does not teach that there are some people who are worse than others. This teaches that there are some people who think they're better than others. And this teaches that there are some people who don't think they owe the Lord very much. So I haven't done very much. So I don't have to love very much. I'm a pretty good guy. I've got it all together. No. Listen, this is what this is. This is judgmentalism. Let me tell you where it comes from. It comes from the spirit of the Pharisees. That spirit is still alive today in the church. It's still here. Now, we don't call them Pharisees. We call them older brothers. But that spirit, if it's in an older brother, it creates this syndrome of judgmentalism. And let me tell you what a Pharisee hates. Let me tell you what this spirit hates. Not a person, but a spirit. It hates to see you liberated and joyful and grace-giving believer. This spirit hates to see you happy in the Lord because this spirit is about control and rules and regulations. This spirit hates to see you happy, and here's why. Because a a Pharisee, and I'm going to use South Alabama 
lingo, can I? This Pharisee ain't got no happy. A Pharisee doesn't have any joy. A Pharisee may be in the house of God, but a Pharisee, if this, in this syndrome, they're an older brother, there's no joy, there's no peace. They're judging people because you don't measure up by this, and you don't do this, and you don't look like this, and you don't walk like this, and you don't wear this, and you don't go here, you don't do this, and you don't do that. That's what Jesus is dealing with with these Pharisees. And that's the same spirit, the same syndrome that this older brother is dealing with. And I believe it's still in the church. Now listen, it's not in this church. Okay, okay, I repent. Let, let me say it this way, okay? It's not in the 11 o'clock service. It's in the, it's in the 9 o'clock service. They're not here. They're not in the room, so relax. A pharisaical spirit finds the most fertile soil to put its roots down and grow. And that fertile soil is the mind of a person who struggles with the identity of who they really are. So the first two points, pride and self-righteousness affect the way we see ourselves and others. The third point is, is not very obvious, but it's the most important. So this is the third point. I'm going to wrap it up. The older brother syndrome, number three, affects how we see the father. Why did Jesus tell these parables? The emphasis is on that someone lost something precious. A sheep's lost, left the 99. I've got to go find the one sheep. A coin's lost. Got to find that coin. I can't eat. The son is lost. The whole reason he told the three parables is to tell you how much the father is grieving that he has lost something precious. And by the way, the main character in this whole storyline is not the older brother, it's the father. But the problem is, if you have the older brother syndrome, you are so focused on how good you are and how bad everyone else is that you miss out on how good the father is. That's exactly what happens. It starts off with how good I am. I've got it all together. Watch me. And then it starts, I'm starting to look at others. And, and it affects how I see you and how I look at you. I cannot tell you how many people over the years have come up to me and say, hey, do you know so-and-so is going to our church now? No. Or, yeah, I met them. Do you know what they did? Do you know what they're doing? Do you know they left their spout? Do you know this and that? And so I got, I got wise to it after a couple of years, and I just stopped. I don't want it. Don't tell me. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. That's that, that's that spirit that we, we, we want to judge other people and put them in this category. If you have the older brother syndrome, you, you are focused on how good you are, how bad other, everybody else is, and then you miss how good the father is. The older brother syndrome affects the way you think the father loves you. So watch, if this syndrome's happening, you're focused on how you got it together, your righteousness, and how everybody else doesn't have it together. If you could get it together like I've got it together, you'd have it all together. When you do that, you are missing out on the effects of how the Father thinks about you. He's watching his Father look for the lost son, and he doesn't even realize that the Father loves him as much as he loves the lost son. And he's in the house, and he knows the Father. He didn't leave the house. And, and so it's how it affects us. 
the older brother gets more and more angry and bitter and jealous and envious. And, when the, and the father's there all the time, but he gets this stuff built up in his heart. Oh, but remember, there were two nevers that he said to the father. He said, you never gave me one goat. You never gave me a party. You never gave me anything. Well, that's a lie too. Just like the other one was a lie. Luke 15, 11, and then he said, we've read this verse several times. A certain man had two sons, but watch, you're going to see something different. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So the father divided to, I can't hear you, them his livelihood. The older brother said, you never gave me anything. You never gave me a goat. You never gave me anything. He gave him his inheritance. And by the way, since he's the firstborn, he received double than the younger. But because he didn't see himself correctly, he didn't see others correctly, and he didn't see the father correctly, and he said, you've never given me anything. But listen to the father's answer. This is good. The father's answer is so good in Luke 15, 31. And he said to him, the older son, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Now, now think about it. This is what the father's saying. You're always with me. You're always in my presence. You're in the presence of God the Father. And since you're in my presence, all that I have is yours. All the provisions that I have, you have access to. Not only do you have my presence, and in my presence is where you change. In my presence is where you grow and mature. In my presence is where I'm going to do everything that I need to do for you and through you. But also in my presence, you're going to get the provisions that you need. That's what he's missing. So the younger son, the one we call the prodigal, missed out on the presence of the father and the provision of the father because he physically left home. But the older son missed out on the presence of the father and the provision of the father because he left home in his heart. He stayed physically, but in his heart he left. I wonder how many older brothers that grew up in church that are still in a building, but their hearts left. And you're just going through the motions. He never left home physically like the younger. He, he sat in church every weekend. And every weekend, he's allowing more insecurity and fear and anger and bitterness and jealousy and envy to build up in his heart toward his brother and his father. He's resistant of the brother. You know, anybody sitting in this room that's born again is a brother or a sister to you. There's resistance against a brother or sister and a resistance against the father. God, Father, why, why? you're showing him favoritism. You love them more than me because they did things bad. I stayed here. But you stayed here physically, but your heart left. He left physically and his heart left physically with him. So what, what I want you to see is how do you avoid the older brother syndrome? How do you do it? Well, the goal is to become an older brother and sister in the Lord spiritually. So we help other people grow and mature. So let me show you how a guy named Paul did it. Paul died in 66 AD. He was beheaded. Ten years before he was beheaded, 56 AD, before his death, 20 years after he got saved. So he's not a newbie. 20 years 
So you would think, well, he could have this older brother syndrome. 20 years, listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 5, 9. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called apostle because after the way I persecuted God's church. He calls himself the least of the apostles 10 years before he dies. Seven years later, three years before he dies, he writes this in Ephesians 3. To me, talking about himself, the very least of all the saints. First, he calls himself the least of all apostles. But this is the way you do it. I'm going to do so. I'm going to
hand toward your That got the prodigal Al Pigpen. up 